0: Hi there, I'm Caitlin Soule, and I'm an author, I'm a therapist, I'm a mom to three kids, and I'm also a bit of a hot mess human. I know you don't have a ton of time, so I want to dive right into topics each week that matter the most to you. Listen in as I fly solo and bring on some amazing guests to have conversations intended to help modern women say yes to their own imperfect personal growth and evolution. We'll talk honestly about all the things that matter the most to us, like motherhood, career, relationships, overcoming anxiety, intimacy, so we can steer towards a life led by our values instead of our fear. Cheers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast episode. I am going to share a little bit of chapter eight with you from my book, A Little Less of a Hot Mess. And the reason why I want to share that chapter with you today is because I've been thinking a lot in my own life about holding multiple truths, this idea of holding the both ends of life. And I've been talking a lot about it over on Instagram and what it means and how psychological flexibility is such an important part of us being well and the reason why I also think it's important to consider right now is because well we're already having to consider it whether we know it on a conscious level or not but life is asking us to hold so many multiple truths and so many different things at once these days you know as i Sit here with COVID, um, in my little mini isolation. Because luckily these days it's you know five to seven days versus two weeks, and luckily I'm, you know, had access to a vaccination, and I'm not that sick. And there are so many things I think to be grateful for in this season for me right now, even though I'm sick with COVID. And it's also true that it makes life really hard in all these other places and spaces, like. There's a ton of work that I need to get done that I just don't have the energy to do right now. Um, you know, my husband's having to carry all the parenting load, which is really hard with three very young kids who have a lot of, you know, needs. And um, yeah, I'm just not feeling great. And so I'm grumpy and I'm irritable. And it's also true, again, that I have a lot to be, you know, grateful for and, I think it's just hard for us to learn to hold all those things at the same time. That's just one little example. But I think a lot right now about like what new moms and are, you know, going through who are having to hold the truth that They both, you know, are grateful to be moms and have brought babies into the world, but also they're bringing babies into the world at a time where there's just so much uncertainty that it's true that it's hard to find formula right now, that it's true that, you know, it's hard to, I guess, sit with this idea that we are potentially losing rights and freedom over our body, right? So the multiple truths just alone in that whole concept are fascinating and disheartening and hard to hold. Then there's the day-to-day things, right, that we have to hold um, space for, which is like, kids are amazing, and they're wonderful, and they're so much fun, and they're really fucking hard (laughs) and exhausting. And it's mind-numbing sometimes to play with our kids. Okay, so you can get the drift here of what multiple truths are, and I'm going to be sharing more with you in a minute in the chapter. I dive deeper, and then I talk about, of course, how you can apply it to your own life and how you can start thinking about it in a way that's helpful. So I'm sharing a bit of the audiobook with you today. So you can, one, kind of, you know, get some, again, some perspectives, some ways to think about holding the both ends of life a little bit differently and start practicing it or at least considering practicing it. And then also so you can get a little taste of what the audiobook is like. If you maybe have the paperback or don't yet and you're more of an audiobook person, you can check it out. You can purchase it on Amazon. I think it's um, like ten ninety nine or eleven ninety nine, or I don't even know. I should know. Um, the point is you can buy it on Amazon and if you like this episode and you like what you hear here in this chapter, do me a favor. Share it with a friend. Tell them about the book. Leave a book review. There are so many different ways that you can support me and the book, and I really appreciate you doing all of those things because at the end of the day, my big hope and my big you know, goal is to be able to continue to make an impact in the space of women's mental health in whatever way I can. Um, and that is including, and especially just here with you, like talking to you on this podcast and hopefully some of the stuff that I share lands with you and makes a difference. I certainly know that the things that you all share with me, whether it be in my own book club or whether it be messages you send me on Instagram, or if I'm lucky enough to have you in my own life, the things that you share with me on a personal level impact me and make such a big difference. And I feel the love and support Of that, like proverbial village, that I know sometimes we feel like we're lacking. You know, maybe we want more of it. You know, maybe we want a different village. (laughs) It's never perfect, is it? But I just want to say that I appreciate this village here, what feels like a village to me, um, no matter how near or far you are. All right, without further ado, as I say on every episode, let's dive on in. Hi friends, I just wanted to take a quick little pause in the podcast to share with you some exciting news. My book, A Little Less of a Hot Mess, The Modern Mom's Guide to Growth and Evolution is finally out in the world. You can order it on Amazon or anywhere else you order books. You can also pop into your local bookstore and request a copy if they don't carry the book. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. It really is an incredible resource that I put together and hopes to empower you to care for your mental health by learning to say yes to you and claim your identity as a mother, and so much more. Chapter 8. You're invited to hold space for multiple truths. You're allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress simultaneously. Sophia Bush. I'm going to ask you to do something right out of the gate in this chapter. Pay attention to how often you see the words both and. Okay, let's resume. Rigid or black and white thinking is one of the most universal and common contributing factors to our own experience of suffering. What I mean is, when we are made to believe that there's only one right way to do things, like parent, love, or lead, we limit ourselves and move through the world in ways that keep us stuck and disconnected from reality. In the fields of psychology and neuroscience, it is widely believed that flexible thinking is a skill that is critical for humans to experience mental and emotional wellness and resiliency. In my clinical work, if I had to pick the most common factor that plays into my client's sense of unhappiness or pain, it would undoubtedly be rigid ways of thinking that then lead to unhealthy behavioral patterns. The belief that is often endorsed is that people, including us, and experiences are either all good or all bad. This type of all-or-nothing thinking is sticky and unforgiving and doesn't allow us or others the space to evolve throughout the many different seasons of our life. While it might feel safer to draw clean lines of either-or around things, the reality is that life is pretty complex, and so is being human. Nature is one of the greatest teachers when it comes to showing us what it looks like to hold multiple truths. We would never classify the ocean as only tumultuous and chaotic because we know that it can sometimes be quiet and serene too. When we learn to leave more space for gray and for multiple things to be true at the same time, we give ourselves and our loved ones the gift of grace and a life that is freer and undoubtedly fuller. Why do we engage in rigid thinking anyway? Let's take a brief dive into why in the heck we engage with this kind of thinking if it ultimately makes us feel crappy and suffer. First, it's important to point out that some people struggle with mental health or personality disorders in which rigid thinking is a symptom, and so it's harder, not impossible, for them to change. But for most of us, our rigid thinking is a product of both nature and nurture. So here we are, already in the first section of this chapter, recognizing one of the many both ands of life. By nature, some of us are biologically and neurologically wired to think in ways that leave less room for gray. By nurture, the way we are raised to understand and experience life, many of us were exposed to rigid and limited thinking and learned that was the safest, maybe even only way, to exist in the world. Whether it's due to nature, nurture, or both, rigid thinkers seek experiences that reinforce their belief that life is safest seen through the lens of either-or and black or white. Of course, there is a spectrum of rigid thinking, where some of us engage in it more than others, But on some level, most all of us get stuck from time to time in the seductive web of wanting just one thing to be true because, let's face it, it's simpler and less anxiety-provoking. We want firm soil, but we're given shifting sands. Just beneath the surface of our rigid, unhelpful thinking live our old frenemies, perfectionism and fear. Opening up our minds to accepting multiple truths in life is both freeing and scary. We'll get into the freeing part in a little bit, but let's talk about the part where we feel scared AF to accept some of the following truths about life. It's both beautiful and painful. It's colorful and dark. There's birth and there's death. There's love and there's loss. There's everything and there's nothing. There's less and there's more. You'll laugh and you'll cry. You'll win and you'll lose. You'll suffer and you'll rejoice. You'll fall and you'll get back up. There is just no escaping the both ands of life. As we talked about in earlier chapters, perfectionism and fear tell us a lie that we need to engage in over-control, doing way too much and being way too extra in order to be safe and happy. In order to engage in over-control, something I don't suggest, you would need to reject the idea of multiple truths because it makes things too difficult to predict and therefore control. Enter the power struggle that exists when we spend way too much time trying to live in the land of certainty and a one dimensional world that doesn't actually exist. We can find so much more space and freedom in life when we leave room for multiple truths. The reality is, no matter what our anxious or primitive brain wants us to believe, things can't be reduced to all good or all bad, all black or all white, all positive or all negative. Once we learn to welcome that truth, we are able to live more freely and fully. When we don't leave room for the great parts of life, we don't make space for the variety of experiences and emotions that life has to offer us. In other words, we can't live wholeheartedly when we resist the idea that the world is a complex place where often the only truth is that there isn't just one truth. The acceptance of the complex nature of life and the reality of multiple truths depends on our ability to engage in flexible thinking. Flexible thinking is a learned skill. Sure, some of us are born with the ability to learn it better or raise in an environment where it's more strongly encouraged. But nonetheless, it's a skill that needs to be learned in practice. We will dive into the how behind working on increasing mental flexibility. But first, let me share my experience with leaning into the idea of multiple truths. My invitation in. For me, living in the world of both and means having the courage to accept that life is many things all at once. When it comes to parenting, it is both hard and beautiful. Parenting seems to be the ultimate invitation to embracing life's multiple truths, and if we take it, into practicing mental flexibility. When we start off our journey as moms, we all have ideas based on what we've seen or been told about what it will be like to be a mother. And let's just be honest, most of those ideas turn out to be total bullshit. Just about the only thing we get right when it comes to our imaginary experience of having kids is that we'll love them more than anything in the world. And even then, we couldn't fathom what it would actually feel like until we were living and breathing that experience. There's no doubt that having children does so many things to us, but one of the things it does for us is it wakes us up and calls for us to deal with our own emotional baggage or shit so that we can parent and love well. I don't think you'll be surprised to hear this by now since I've laid so much of my own story on the table, totally going against the whole outdated notion that therapists should be a blank slate, but I'm a bit of a perfectionist in disguise. Even though I can be a hot mess from time to time, I like it when things are clear and certain. You know what's not clear and certain? Anything when it comes to children and parenthood. Whenever I think I understand something or have finally figured out a pattern when it comes to my kids' sleep, behavior, or emotional well-being, Life just sort of laughs in my face as if to say, I'll show you. Case in point, we sleep trained the hell out of my first child, Mia. At 12 weeks old, Mia slept through the night and we felt like we totally nailed it when it came to sleep training. Like, seriously, what are all those parents complaining about anyway? Don't they know that a few nights of crying are well worth creating a child who can self soothe and get consistent and restful sleep? We're just so natural at this, I thought. Well, we had it coming. I bet you can guess what I'm going to say next, but we tried all the same sleep techniques with our second and third children, and it didn't work. Alex and Jack had different needs when it came to comfort than Mia did, and in order to meet their needs, I needed to let go of my rigid thinking tied to what I believed to be true about their needs so I could actually see what it was they required." One ended up needing acid reflux medicine and diet changes, and the other ended up needing ear tubes, and they both just needed us to be flexible and patient. Do you see how rigid thinking, especially when it comes to parenting, can keep us stuck from moving forward in a way that's intuitive? While the sleep example seems sort of trivial in the big scheme of things, although every mom on earth has obsessed over their children's sleep at one point or another— It is just one example of how we are invited, often in subtle ways, to embrace the both ends of life and practice mental flexibility. The biggest why behind my stepping into the idea of accepting multiple truths is both because I want to live more freely and I want my children to as well. As Virginia Satir, famous author and therapist, once said, Feelings of worth can flourish only in an atmosphere where individual differences are appreciated Mistakes are tolerated, communication is open, and rules are flexible, the kind of atmosphere that is found in a nurturing family. I want my children to know that I see them and that I honor the complexity of their experience and the complexity of life in general, the idea that they can be so many things and already are all at once. Here are some both ands or multiple truths that I'm learning to hold. Maybe they'll resonate with you too. I can be a good mom and an ambitious mom. I can love them and create boundaries. I can be the one who helps and the one who receives help. I can be uncertain and invigorated. I can be exhausted and grateful. I can be anxious and willing to take a step forward. I can love my parents and decide to do things differently. I can be a good friend, mom, or partner and evolve. I can be fearful and brave. I can love them and want more. I can play it safe and be willing to take a worthy risk. I can be a woman and demand that I get my own needs met. I can be in pain and grow. I can experience loss and peace in the same day. I can experience mom guilt and know at my core it's important that I go. I can say no or yes to Elf on the Shelf and my kids will experience the holidays all the same. I can no longer fit into my pre-pandemic or pre-baby jeans and still be beautiful. I can be a granola mom and then decide to serve cheap frozen pizza for the hell of it. I can care about exercise and take the time to listen to my body and rest. I can feel like an imposter sometimes and know that I'm worthy. I can and you can and we can and. Your invitation in. You're likely getting the drift by now, but in order to create more healthy and flexible thinking, we have to be willing to break the rules or those unhelpful, shitty beliefs that we've bought into along the way around the idea that things are either-or and black or white. Earlier, I wrote that life can be both beautiful and painful, and we all know that to be true on a logical level, but the experience of pain can make us so terrified that we, ironically, don't allow ourselves to feel joy. We've all heard or said, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Let's talk about that sentiment for a minute. The idea that when something is going well or something happened the way we hoped it would, we should only minimally enjoy it because either it won't last long or because eventually it will end and we'll be hurt. There's so much wrong with that logic. And I admit that I've endorsed it myself in the past. But the truth is, yes, the pain will come. Suffering is an inevitable part of life and it won't hurt any less because we're waiting for it to happen. Perhaps the human experience seems less vulnerable for people when they don't fully allow themselves to experience the depths of joy, but the truth is, not experiencing the depths of joy doesn't keep us from feeling the depths of pain. If we can accept that life is both beautiful and painful, we make more space for joy and gratitude and less space for fear. Let's not live our lives waiting for the other shoe to drop. I see this sentiment play out quite often in my one-on-one work, especially with women. For a multitude of reasons and complex truths about society and culture, I think we women are more conditioned to keep our feet on the ground, so to speak, and to expect less. It's not always the case that women feel this way. I mean, we are in a chapter about multiple truths and all. But it does seem to trend true that in comparison to men, women feel immensely more responsibility for the well-being of those around them. While we've come a long way when it comes to opportunities for women to be more than just caretakers, caretaking is still often seen as our primary role, and we feel the pressure to keep it all together and be prepared in case things fall apart. When the possibility of disaster is always just beneath the surface, we spend a lot of time over-preparing, worrying, and planning, which are, let's be real, total joy inhibitors. While we likely won't wake up suddenly with less responsibility to care for our loved ones, nor would we want to, we can decide to more fully step into the land of multiple truths, the land that allows us to recognize that our life will be both beautiful and painful no matter how much we prepare. And in recognizing that waiting for the other shoe to drop won't actually help us or the ones we love feel less pain, maybe we could stop denying ourselves feelings of gratitude and joy. We deserve those feelings. We've earned them. The learning to accept and live into the truth that life is both beautiful and painful is what therapeutic or self-growth work is really all about. When people come to see a therapist like me, it's often because they're in pain and unable to find their way out of suffering. They want to grow, change, or heal, but they don't have the resources or the vision to see the starting point. Like life, the work of healing and change isn't linear. It's up, down, and around. Healing is both beautiful and painful. I've worked with so many brave souls who are doing the work of healing from trauma and I'm in my own process of cleaning out old wounds too. Yes, your therapist is likely in therapy. In fact, it's ethically prudent that therapists do their own work. We can have the tools and still find ourselves needing another's expertise, especially when it comes to trauma healing. I know that we can't do effective work until we start to recognize and accept our experiences of both and. The truth of it is, even the people who hurt us the worst weren't all bad all the time. And part of the healing process is accepting the truth that we can have a wide spectrum of memories and feelings when it comes to our most traumatic experiences. Trauma work calls us to move away from rigid thinking, the kind of thinking that was meant to keep us safe to more flexible thinking so that we can see what happened for the complex experience it likely was. Many faces come to mind when I think of what the work of acceptance of multiple truth looks like in practice, but there is one woman whose experience never escapes me. Georgia, a 70-year-old woman, came to me for help around dealing with her feelings of anxiety and depression after living through the massive Northern California wildfires of 2017 and the repeated fires that have threatened her home every year since. Georgia and her husband had worked hard throughout their life and were proud of the beautiful wine country property where they raised their sons. When she spoke of the property as it was before the fires, you could see her deep and spiritual connection with the nature and environment of her home. She tended to the land, hiked for hours, gardened, cooked, and felt she was exactly where she needed to be. While they didn't lose their home in the fire, their property and everything around it was burned down. The beautiful oaks that were hundreds of years old were suddenly gone. Cars and possessions were burned and the landscape was completely changed. But as we work through the whole of her experience, we recognize that the real loss had nothing to do with things and everything to do with the loss of her sense of security and safety. She felt disoriented in a world that looked and felt so different. The other shoe dropped. It had all been too good to be true. We talked about the fact that even if she had known it was going to happen, it wouldn't have made it any less painful. Once she accepted that healing would mean she would have to be willing to walk through the painful memories and the beautiful ones, she was able to hold space for the idea that she herself could experience both pain and joy at the same time. She started going on walks again, planting seeds for oak trees that she laughingly declared she would be long gone before they grew past the height of a toddler. Georgia taught me so much more about healing and life, really, than I could ever have taught her. And maybe it's because she had so much life experience, but I have never seen someone engage in flexible thinking so quickly and create so much space for life's pain and beauty. Experiences like this with my clients are incredibly healing. They heal me, and I heal them. Both things are true. Let's work toward change. So now that you've learned the why behind accepting multiple truths and increasing mental flexibility, aka flexible thinking, maybe you're wondering how it applies to you or where you can get started doing this work in a practical way. I've got you covered. A great place to start is to think about places and spaces in your life where you sometimes feel stuck or experience rigid thinking. For me, this kind of thinking historically comes up when it comes to parenting, but maybe it's somewhere different for you. Maybe you're in the camp of waiting for the other shoe to drop and never fully allowing yourself to play, dream, or discover because you're too afraid of the pain or disappointment that could come. Spoiler alert, pain is coming, but if you allow room for it, joy can come along for the ride. Maybe you believe that if you've been one thing, you can't be another, or maybe you get stuck in perfectionistic, all-or-nothing thinking, that lie that tells you you're either always the best or always the worst. Wherever you are on the spectrum of accepting multiple truths, we could all benefit from more often leaning into the idea that many things are true at once. When it comes to practicing and living into this concept, it starts with recognizing the many both ands in your own life and noticing how it feels when you acknowledge their coexistence. Another way you can play with this concept is by noticing how often you hear yourself and the people in your life engaging in rigid thinking and ask yourself this one question, But also. What else is true? loves just a quick note to thank you again for listening to this podcast and for all of your support some further ways you can support me in this work and being able to continue to produce this podcast are by leaving my podcast a review on apple podcasts believe it or not that matters having better reviews and more ratings helps me continue to get the high quality guests that i want to be able to get for this podcast also if you haven't already grab a copy of a little less of a hot mess You can do that on Amazon or anywhere you buy books. You can also go to your local bookstore or library and request that they order a copy. Lastly, I want to leave you with this. By sharing about this podcast in the book and having brave conversations about mental health and motherhood, we are changing the future, not just for ourselves, but for our children. And that's pretty freaking awesome. Cheers. Mm